If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Welcome back to Policy and Rights here on Depictions Media Radio. I'm your host, Michael Cloggs. Policy um, and rights, um, this show was, was created over the idea of advocating for people to have equality, that we all should be treated equal. And this next segment that we're going to hear uh, from the United Nations Alt autism awareness is about policy and how people with autism um, need advocacy and how they advocate for themselves the policies that of equality that should be put in place so that we are all seen equally that we're all seen with the capability to to reach the the newest heights and and achieve greatness within ourselves that we don't have to be seen as that person that needs to be looked down upon that we don't have to feel less of ourselves because we have a different wiring to our brain we for the most part a, a lot of a lot of people live within a democracy but when you have a disability or a you learn differently or something something along those lines that policies are written to defeat you and they say that the policies are there to protect but are they really protecting or are they holding back? Something to think about when you listen to this next segment that actually talks about perspectives on policy and advocacy. Um, and that was actually recorded from the UN Alt... Um, autism awareness so let's uh, listen to what what the speakers actually had to say about creating policy that literally does help people We're now moving to the theme of work. Um, work is around our perspectives of neurodiversity at work and all the different works that we all do. We are, after all, everywhere. We can do any kind of job, but we're specifically good at jobs that we have a strong interest in, which makes us definitely perform above average. Um, so first we're going to a video 
with people talking about their experiences at work from around the world. My name is Ed Dupree. I'm autistic, dyslexic and dyspraxic. I help businesses to understand and solve complex data related problems. I instinctively build beautiful and complex models of data. It's just the way my autistic mind works. But the office environment is a barrier that damages me. And I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize. I weighed 150 kilos. I had a host of chronic and life-threatening conditions that did not respond to treatment. And I was clinically depressed and anxious. And COVID struck and I got to work from home to help protect you. I just lost weight. I now weigh 90 kilos. All my chronic conditions just went away. My chronic anxiety and depression are mostly gone. It took a global pandemic for me to be allowed to live a healthy and happy life. That's how damaging a normal office environment can be to an autistic person. Working from home must be an option for all. Taking that away discriminates against many disabled people. As we see the world through different eyes, we can problem solve and provide answers to questions that a neurotypical person may have never thought of. This can be useful when approaching an obstacle via different directions to resolve the issue and create new ideas. One of the areas that may hold us back is missing social cues. It's a bit like social dyslexia, which can make us nervous, so we find it challenging to assert or explain ourselves in the correct way. Sometimes we don't even attempt to air our opinions, so it's not offending anyone. There are some jokes or comments that we can often take literally, which can be confusing or offensive to us. Our proposed solution is to support the neurodiverse with typical problems that may hold us back, and to educate and provide information to the neurotypical, so that they can be more sympathetic to our needs. If they can better understand our issues, they can be more forthcoming to helping and supporting us into becoming more involved and integrated into society. My name is Anshar Serafin. At 11 years old, I was 75% nonverbal. When I was diagnosed at 19, Asperger's had only been incorporated into the DSM a few years earlier. Neurotypical people can learn so much from a person who's had to toss out everything that comes naturally, but they shouldn't have to. Understanding neurodiversity is a social problem that we all have a duty to address, and we shouldn't leave that problem to the people least equipped to address it. When I entered the business world in my 30s, I learned quickly that most of the onus have changed to thrive in a world where no one understands autism ends up falling to us, the people with the most challenges. This is an inherently upside-down reality in the world today. Today, at 42 years old, I've learned to escape the isolation chamber of autism and to approach the world with a renewed curiosity that would have done nothing but intimidate me as a child. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Stephen Rufenberg. I am autistic and also am ADHD. I teach people about the power of communication, providing a psychological safe space to openly express themselves. Because words matter little, but the few we do say matter so much more. Because they can transform, like the pandemic transformed the lives of many of us. Be it through the advent of remote work, or uncovering that current hiring practices and the workplace environment may be disadvantages to new divergent and disabled folks.
New inclusive hiring efforts are great, but please do not forget, we are already here. So what I would recommend is building out informal networks and ERGs to provide your, your divergent employees with the psychological safe space to openly express themselves, to come together and exchange ideas and experiences. Please do find ways to communicate together. Let's start building a better tomorrow together. Another great video with a great examples of what can be done, what has happened, where are the barriers, a lot of insights into our work life around the world that is hopefully uh, eye-opening to many of you. We're now moving on to our keynote, Sir Nick Hein, um, who was going to talk about his experience in work and also uh, in, in opening up about being autistic. Hello, my name is Sir Nick Hein and I am autistic. If that sounds like a line from an AA meeting, that's because we've all watched too many films where the hero is grappling with a terrible problem which he is going to overcome, recover from and become normal. So here's the difference. I'm autistic and it's part of who I am. It's not an illness, nor a disability, though our neurotypical world has branded it as such. It's just the way that I am wired is statistically unusual compared to most that we live and work with. I'm okay with being different because I know that my skill sets and perspectives on the world are both unusual and valuable. I come at problems differently. I see clearly through the emotional baggage that many bring to their work wishful thinking I like to call it, or optimism bias. And I see, can set out and deliver solutions which are going to be both resilient and successful. But having this clarity of thought isn't always easy for those working with me to comprehend. My autistic brain simply cannot accept the way that most people are willing to hope that the right solution will appear and that their wishing a situation to be better than it will, will somehow make it so. My autistic mind won't allow that. Truth and logic drive every process. So I don't always make friends or persuade folk immediately of the merits of my arguments. They often seem brutal and colleagues find it too hard to see the whole picture as I can. One of my greatest frustrations is that I must try to slow down and find a way to show my workings on solutions I just know to be correct. And that's absolutely exhausting. I received my diagnosis after returning from serving in Baghdad in 2009 when I went to the doctor with suspected post-traumatic stress disorder. Up until then I had no idea that I was autistic, though I had always felt different. Growing up I was seen, as I think many autistic children were in those days, as the slightly odd bright child. I didn't have many close friends and I found social activities very challenging. With hindsight, I now understand that I didn't want to go to university for fear of the social interaction it entailed. Instead, I joined the Royal Navy straight from school, which was the best thing I ever did. I had a uniform, a timetable and a structured day. That meant far fewer decisions or choices to make, allowing me to get on with solving challenges and learning new skills. I am extremely focused and I love solving problems and finding the most efficient way to do things. I excel at making rational decisions based on data. I don't trust my gut. I need evidence before I make any decision. Looking back now on my military reports from my senior officers, they identified my commitment, my focus, my work ethic and my unwillingness to suffer fools. I now can't remember, but I guess that meant that I probably didn't have too much truck with those who tried to wing it rather than present logical solutions or total effort. And I probably said so. I have always been very honest and frank in my style of communication and have a relentless drive to find outcomes. I think all of this has helped me deliver in my job, but with hindsight I can understand why for many that has seemed blunt or brash. I never meant it that way, and only with age have I really understood just how many extra words and fluff are used by most people to explain something I prefer to set out in as few words and as plainly as possible. I have been extremely fortunate in the career I had in the Royal Navy. Accidentally I ended up joining the submarine service, not always considered the most glamorous part of the organisation, but the most vital strategic weapon in the UK's arsenal. It turned out to be the perfect place for me. Being in a nuclear submarine with no windows, very few distractions, meant I could just focus on my job 24 hours a day. A submarine is a harsh environment in many ways, where every decision has life and death consequences, but they are black and white, and that works for me. 
no unnecessary colourful inputs or distractions. As my career progressed, I came ashore to hold senior managerial roles, from equipment and capability management to working directly for the Chancellor and the Treasury. I had to learn to fit in with management. And that pressure to fit in is huge, and many autistic people, myself included, have developed coping mechanisms at work to cover being different. This is immensely draining and we do so at big personal cost. So one of the reasons I decided to talk about my autism was because I think that organisations need to change, not their people. Many people are frightened by difference. If you don't belong to the collective, then you can be made to feel you're most not welcome. The military has a strong team ethos, which is necessary in threat situations, but I've always found it strange that although we are constantly being told we are all individuals and are unique, society wants us all to act and be the same. The military was no different. The challenge workplaces have, and I have no doubt this is true, whether they are large, like the Royal Navy, or a startup, is to create an inclusive culture where diversity is embraced. Championing diversity of thought is the only way an organisation will survive and thrive in the modern contested world of ideas and competition. So in the Royal Navy I established the Neurodiversity Network for colleagues who have conditions like autism and I hadn't anticipated the positive response I got. I received hundreds of positive messages and countless emails from people around the world. Turns out there are many of us struggling in work environments where we, the neurodivergent ones, must adapt to the workplace designed without thought for the minor changes needed for us to thrive. We must find the mental energy to bat away excessive noise, light and the humdrum of office chatter just to be able to start giving our employers what they pay us for, our creativity and effort. It perhaps shouldn't surprise anyone that the autistic talent pool is not being fully utilised and that autistic people are not being given the chance to fulfil their potential. I consider this to be a terrible reflection on our society and a stupid one. We need diversity of thought. We need autistic people's talents. Organisations should be looking at people on their merits, whatever the packaging. Organisations should be embracing difference and creating cultures where difference thrives and everyone is given a fair chance. As the second sea lord in the Royal Navy, I was the personnel chief for about 30,000 staff. We started to adapt our recruitment and onboarding process so that it works for neurodiverse, and neurodiverse applicants. This includes asking candidates whether they would prefer a face-to-face -face interview or one done on screen. Perhaps they want to submit written answers and that's okay. I wanted people to come into the organisation feeling that they don't need to hide. For the Royal Navy to succeed, we must accept it is difficult to compete with adversaries in terms of mass or technology, but we have a chance to compete in terms of thinking. And I hope that's what we set up in the Royal Navy, and that will be a model for all of the armed forces going forward. Having spent most of my operational naval career in the submarine service and commanding surface ships and nuclear-powered submarines, I have now moved to industry to help plan, build and support the next generation of submarines, which will protect us and our allies and defend the freedom of navigation around the world's oceans, so vital for free trade and democracy. Being in command, whether as a submarine or ship captain, or as a business leader in a corporate world, is a lonely activity because the buck stops with you. My autistic mind copes well with this because I don't need social acceptance. When you're underwater and you're responsible for 100 people in a nuclear reactor, and you're operating in a uniquely dangerous environment that is fundamentally hard, if you make a mistake, you will sink and you will die, and everybody else will. Whilst in the civilian world I'm no longer directly in harm's way, the decisions I take, my ability to persuade others who are investing in the next generation of defence, will determine the safety not only of those in the underwater battle space, but all of those they protect. And that level of responsibility sits well with me, and the focus and the ability to deliver on the complexity of that challenge is something that I am naturally comfortable and good at. The skills which come with autism, such as precision, order, clarity and the desire for structure, can be of use in so many workplaces. But there is one part of the workplace where I struggle. The white noise of larger group conversations. I find social activities extremely draining. Trying to concentrate on a conversation in a loud, crowded room is very difficult for me. So over the years I have avoided social activities which I know some have, in have interpreted as me appearing aloof or standoffish. But I have only so many units of energy for the week and need to preserve my energy levels. I also know that I struggle to pick up on non-verbal communication and colleagues have criticised my body language. Sorry folks, but you need to learn to recognise anxiety and strain which we all try so hard to hide for fear of ridicule and dismissal. 
Noise is the hardest one for me. Trying to follow conversations is challenging. So that's why I prefer to deal with people one-on-one. -on -one. It's much more straightforward. It also means we can get on and make decisions. I am also frustrated when people around me don't want to move at the speed I do, and I find some aspects of the neurotypical world baffling and very inefficient. For example, I've never understood supermarkets, random people going in different directions, items being moved to different locations. Online is so much more efficient. You see no people and it's brought to your door. And I probably end up with less chocolate in my shopping bags that way too. The world is made for neurotypical people by neurotypical people and therefore it's not surprising that people who are not neurotypical have a series of challenges or a series of difficulties both in interacting with that world but also in the world interacting with them. Over the years some colleagues have described me as unnecessarily challenging but others describe my character as clear and ambiguous and honest. I would say that clarity is a gift frankly. So all those, to all those business leaders who want to beat the competition who have an idea and need clear focused minds to help them find their way through the noise and the fog. Seek out those autistic people who will be your pathfinders. If you want to transform, if you want a different way of doing business, you can't keep asking the same people the same question and expecting different answers. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nick. How interesting was that to hear about you leading nuclear submarines uh, as an autistic person? lots to learn from there and also showing that we don't have the kind of boundaries that the current narrative is setting around us. Um, we're now moving to the panel and uh, I would like to introduce to Andre Skeppel, who's our panel moderator. Over to you, Andre. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Andre Skeppel. I'm a fellow trustee and board member of Iron UK. Um, I'm also a neurodivergent entrepreneur and I do a lot of work as a strategic advisor in diversity inclusion policies that are affecting within the public and private sectors. Today, I'll be moderating the work panel and our discussions feed into the following UN Sustainable Development Goals with health and wellbeing, gender equality and decent work and economic growth. Welcome everyone, welcome for everyone across the world. Thank you for joining us today. I just wanted to just kick off this conversation by um, asking each of you wonderful people just to provide um, a brief introduction to who you are and also in particular what your contribution is to the world of work. So I've been a software engineer for over 10 years. I've built several products from the ground up, often being, often being on the founding team of the engineers. I currently build video SDKs to help make video conferencing software simpler for other developers. I've been involved with meetups locally and internationally and loved and love to help out newer developers and learning from more experienced ones. My proudest achievements are code and tests that have stood the test of time and colleagues that have looked back fondly on having worked with me. Thank you, Annika. Maureen, would you like to give you an introduction? Hi, my name is Maureen Tran. Um, I'm from Canada and I'm a social media manager for health and wellness practitioners. Uh, some platforms I manage are Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or TikTok um, for, but not limited to like psychotherapists, life coaches, physiotherapists, or neurodivergent advocates. And as long as it can be associated with someone's overall mental and physical health, um, I'm here for it. So um, there are so many unsung heroes in this field that deserve to be heard and recognized. And my goal is to shine the spotlight on them so that people can have access to the help they need. And social media is such an essential way to reach them. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Marie. I'm going to hand it over to Mina. Hi, I'm Mina Bossi. I'm from the United States, um, where I run a coaching and consulting practice under the name All Things Audi. Um, as a consultant, I work in the field of industrial and organizational psychology, and I, I work with employers to help them create uh, cultures of inclusion in the workplace. A lot of that is providing education that's going to help them increase their understanding of autism and other forms of neurodivergence. And then as a coach, I guide other autistic individuals to help cultivate more sustainable ways of living. And employment is often a very important topic of concern for clients because monetary resources that are gained from working are generally required for most of our survival. Um, but traditional work practices are often really damaging to autistic employees. So I help other autistic people build skills and confidence either in self-advocation at a traditional workplace or helping them to create alternative types of employment that are going to be better fit for their skill sets and needs. Wonderful, thank you, Mina. Um, Athisha. 
Hi, I'm an occupational therapist practicing in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. I'm currently practicing in the field of mental health with special interest in addiction and late diagnosis ASD in females. I currently work for the Center of Psychotherapy Excellence or COPE, and I facilitate the model of dialectical behavior therapy um, through group therapy in one of South Africa's leading mental health clinics of which I was employee of the year 2022. Thank you very much, Patricia. And I'm Fami Marie. Hello, I'm Marie Jella. I'm the founder and CEO of Neurodiversal Advocacy Partnership. We are a social enterprise helping neurodivergent people to realize their potential through self-advocacy information and mentoring programs. So I'm running peer mentoring programs uh, to process a diagnosis, to, to understand, to achieve well-being following a self-diagnosis or, or, or medically achieved diagnosis of autism. I'm also uh, developing new mentoring programs, for example, for people uh, in contact with the criminal justice system. And uh, for one of our program, I won the Innovate UK Women in Innovation Award. Uh, that's enough for now. By trade, I'm also an innovator. I used to run uh, product uh, innovation and launch programs across Europe with one of major American multinationals. So innovation really is my thing. Wonderful. Thanks very much, Marie. So um, we're going to kick off um, a range of questions that our panel um, have um, very kindly um, selected and want we need to contribute. So Marie, whilst we've got you in frame, the question I have to ask you is, do you think you have been successful of being autistic or despite of it? Well, I think autism obviously is such a uh, complete part of ourselves. So I don't think that we ever can achieve anything, that I can ever achieve anything not thanks to autism. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And uh, I certainly consider my autism uh, being part of my strengths, uh, my problem solving, my sensitivity to new trends, my understanding of patterns and problem solving. I believe all stem from autism, and this is what allows me to be effective and contribute. And all my greatest achievements have been thanks to these skills. Uh, I also feel that when I'm using my strengths, when I'm using these uh, qualities, I'm in a, like in a flow state. I feel relaxed. I feel engaged. I really feel great. And this helps me to manage my autistic challenges. So it kind of pulls through and helps to overcome uh, everything. And I know there is recently a, a study being published that uh, shows that uh, autistic people's well-being improves when they're using their strengths. And I very strongly relate to that. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So, Marie, the next question is, um, again, about flexible working, different work hours, work from home, what are your thoughts um, on that? Well, uh, I really I agree with Anika that it is vital, uh, and I'm sort of grateful that COVID has normalized this hybrid type of working. I think uh, uh, the, the environment in which autistic people thrive, and certainly I thrive, is this hybrid where you can spend time at home working on really meaty kind of uh, work where you need to reflect deeply and focus and uh, progress at, the, uh, at your own pace without distraction. And I also think it's good to have 
from time to time uh, to have in-person meetings with the purpose of team building, with the purpose of connecting with other people, like once a month, having a time together, like an away day, uh, you know, somewhere in the office once a month and maybe three times a week having half an hour with the team of uh, talking to each other, just checking how everybody is and what, what's going on and is there anything common to the teams that we need to discuss. So the purpose of this half an hour is it's not a formal meeting, but more like uh, to reconnect to each other. And I think in this way, that's how I work now. And uh, it really helps me be uh, focused, but also feel connected to other colleagues. Wonderful, thank you very much. Maureen, um, did you notice any significant changes how you um, approach work um, since your discovery of being on the spectrum? Uh, yeah, I believe um, in this case it was uh, like once being able to name it, I could attempt to tame it. Um, so now that I know that executive dysfunction is one of the perks of being a person um, with ASD, I can try to implement strategies or um, download applications that can help me with time management, um, such as using like toggle um, to track my activities daily, or even like purchasing like a ma manual timer to really see how much time has elapsed. That's great. Wonderful. I think that would, you, would your employer support um, neurodiversity employee resource group? And if so, how would they do that? Absolutely, Andre. So um, as COPE, we have multiple branches across South Africa, which can then be brought together virtually uh, to advocate around neurodiversity and what it can present like in the, in the workplace, as well as how to promote well-being and productivity. And we can look at things like reasonable accommodations, environmental modifications, which can be super useful in helping us to thrive. Awesome. Thank you very much. Mia, in your workplace, have you disclosed your um, autism status um, to employees? And if yes, um, how did it go? Um, if not, why not? So I wasn't diagnosed autistic until I was 30 years old. So not only did I spend most of my career not disclosing at work, I didn't even know that I was autistic for most of it. So once I was diagnosed, I was so excited to disclose because I thought that was going to eliminate all of the misunderstandings that I was having in the workplace. Um, and I found that I had varying results. So it seemed to help my coworkers, same level peers, understand my communication style and some of the habits that might have been confusing to them. It facilitated open communication, not only between me and my coworkers, but I noticed that other people were feeling more comfortable collaborating and being open with each other um, after kind of opening up um, about being autistic and talking about it. Uh, I had mixed results with leadership. So some leaders were great, but those were generally the ones that were already really naturally collaborative and creative in the process. And other leaders, um, while they would say that they were supportive or they didn't say anything negative, uh, their actions during the workday displayed a pretty clear lack of understanding of autism. So I tried really hard to educate them, still during a time where I was really excited to learn that I was autistic, but eventually that became really exhausting because it didn't feel like they were putting effort into like understanding or educating themselves or remembering anything that I had told them. Um, but those experiences ended up changing my entire career path. So now I work for myself um, and my entire job is centered around disclosing to people that I'm autistic and educating employers about autism and, and helping to empower other autistic people. So I think in the end, it's it's been working out for me. Wonderful. Thank you very much uh, for your extended contribution there. Annika, have you experienced um, a near inclusive work environment? Yes. Um, and so uh, one of the startling things that happened, um, I realized as so I, so I realized I was autistic during the pandemic, and I happened to be working for a place that that was that is a hundred percent remote, and we have our cameras off most of the time in the meetings, so I can stim, I can lie down and really pay attention, um, and we are close knit teams, which which just which just communicate a lot. We always like whatever question I answer, they like whatever question I ask, they will answer. We're trusted to do the work. There's no micromanagement. We're pretty outcomes focused as 
long as you just get your things done. There's not a lot of questions about how. Um, and I've disclosed people that I'm autistic after working there for like six months. And it was taken with curiosity. And I wasn't treated any differently after, I, like once I disclosed it. And feedback is pretty highly encouraged across all kinds of hierarchical lines. So if I'm asking the CEO, why are we doing this? Why should we do this? Or if I want to ask my manager, I don't think this is a good idea. They will take that very well if my feedback is considered. And pretty much nobody knew what, what autism is actually. And the thing is, they don't need to. That makes this kind of inclusion much easier because then I don't have to disclose. And the environment just works for me. So that makes without having to ask if like since i know that everything which would be my accommodation is just something with everyone it doesn't make me feel awkward about it so the most inclusive place i've worked for has no idea what neurodiversity is thank you very much Alec. one of the things i'm quite keen to understand is the position that question to marie what would be your ideal work situation well my ideal work situation would be to uh to work for an autistic led organization yeah, because that way uh, there is this empathy, there is a double empathy problem theory of uh, autism, which postulates that people, uh, autistic people have, because of commonality of experience and uh, perception of the world, have it much easier to empathize with each other, while uh, there is a barrier because of the difference of understanding and perception of the world, there is a barrier between autistic and non-autistic people. And uh, I'm managing a neurodivergence-led organization. And I think, uh, you know, the way we work together is wonderful. And everything comes naturally uh, and it worked. And, and uh, we are able to play to each other's strengths because we have this insight into each other's lived experience and strengths and way of functioning. So the, the ideal work environment for me would be for an organization where there are neurodivergent leaders. And, uh, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Maria. And um, um, so, you know, Fisha, um, how can work be fun and interesting? Well, what, are you, what, are your, what are your comments towards that? I think if our special interests are recognized, first of all, and maximally utilized at the workplace, it can be so much fun. I have a personal example. Um, some of my special interests include crafting, stationery, organizing, that sort of thing. And one of my duties at COPE is to ensure that our craft room is fully stocked and well taken care of. So this becomes a really good outlook for me personally. Before I get to a point of overwhelm, I just go to the craft room and unwind. And it improves my rate of productivity in therapy as well. How do you respond to that question goes to show your passion towards it? And I think as well, again, one of the key things that we have to always embrace. <laughs> so what do you think, Maureen? Do you think it's important to be passionate about your work? Yes, from uh, my personal experience of being on the spectrum, it's really difficult to continue working on something long-term when you don't have a genuine interest in it. Um, I found it a bit of a pattern on my resume um, to not stay at a place of work more than around three years, sometimes even shorter than that. Um, I came across um, a few neurodivergent thought leaders online, one of them being Alex Pearson, at actually Alex, um, as you all know, and she inspired me to explore receiving an autism diagnosis through my therapist and psychologist um, using the diagnostic manual and in the first place. So shout out to Alana and Megan, if they're going to watch this. But uh, upon that discovery, um, I was able to make better sense of who I truly am after feeling like like an outsider for most of my life. So I've always had an interest in reading self-help books and articles, but informing myself more about ASD took me further down the road of um, just like the importance of mental health. And um, it led me to my calling within the health and wellness niche. Uh, and I'm loving it so far, and it's an um, entirely different feeling when you don't wake up dreading work and feel like you have to put on a mask because it just can be super exhausting. Have you experienced um, very similar barriers or challenges, um, or are there, have there been other 
challenges and or barriers that you've experienced um, within the workplace being autistic that you'd like to disclose? Yeah. Uh, so one of the like one of my most common experiences is that I'm excluded from a lot of spaces if and it's so easy to exclude autistic people all you have to do is have 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 lighting that's too harsh or you have a kitchen right next to your office space and there's a whole lot of cutlery noise going on it's impossible for me to even hear what anyone else is saying uh and one big thing that happens especially at work and outside of work too but it's like neurotypical people especially communicate their intention in the tone of their voice or their body language and they expect replies to include these channels of communication as well so they will read into my tone or body language something that i'm not expressing through tone or body language and because uh and through both of these things through expressing stuff which i won't get and through interpreting intentions in what I'm saying that I'm not doing, it re reliably leads to a great deal of miscommunication. And that could very easily be avoided. Autistics have had to adapt to this our entire lives. And it would be good to be met halfway by neurotypicals. Um, and college was way more difficult than it had to be. And that resulted me in eventually dropping out of college. And all it would have taken is just to have one board where all the exams are put up and i would have had an easier time so it's just a whole lot of simple accommodations that could have helped me to graduate and deal with a lot of things more easily there are companies which don't allow you to there, there are countries which don't which don't allow you to emigrate to them if you're autistic and that prevents where i could work in the future and and sometimes i've been rejected in job interviews because i had an unconventional answer to a social question uh, so that kind of, so from the interviews to actually working, there are many places where uh, this where this comes up. And I, I want to stress that these are not challenges because I'm autistic. It's a challenge because of the way society interprets autistic people. Yeah, the social okay. model of disability. Marie, do you feel that with that whole entrepreneurial approach to time management? flexible working hours and that approach, um, work from home or various different um, environments, do you think that would be um, an optimal way of working for you? And if it is, would you say that it's something that you recommend that employers can to get the most fucked to the other? Definitely. Uh, uh, I work part, uh, part of my time. I work for an employer, which also to do with promoting neurodiversity and autism. And part of this job, this organization is entirely remote, so they don't have offices. And so this uh, hybrid way of working is applied to all employees and everybody tribes. So I think it's important to kind of normalize and promote this hybrid working as a, something more modern because it allows much more effective time management. And uh, there are other creative ways of creating social cohesion by having these daily short meetings, by having these regular, you know, weekly or monthly or, you know, get together physical meetings and so on. And uh, it really enables people to use, uh, to be flexible in using their time in an environment that is most conducive to being effective. Yeah, when I'm working from home, I'm in an environment that is most conducive to my productivity and ability to achieve things. And uh, it also helps to compartmentalize, like, you know, this is a moment for social interaction. It lasts half an hour, I can do that. Yeah, and this is a moment for me to really dig into the big uh, work issue. And, you know, it's all... Uh, I structure it, you know, it's a quiet environment. It's exactly the way I want, except the moment when my children come and sort of, you, you know, <laughs> there are drawbacks of working from home as well, because they continuously ask you for food. But otherwise, it's all right. Wonderful. Thank, thank you very much. The theme of this whole event is to be solutions focused. And so I'd like to ask a question to all the panelists to what one solution would you propose that would improve um, the environment of work and employment for those that are autistic? And also, Marie, would you like to ask that question? What solution would you propose? I think uh, 
you know, these challenges at work are a generational thing. I think young people now are coming from school, from university, graduating into the workplace, and they are experienced, they are accustomed and used to seeing your divergent peers succeeding side by side with them. So they expect this, uh, you know, it's normal for them. What we need, I think, is normalize the aspect of autistic people in the workplace, having, you know, more panels like this, higher visibility to autistic people, uh, you know, being seen and heard and, and to show that it's completely normal uh, to have autistic people in the workplace and autistic people belong in the workplace and are great contributors. And that way, uh, people will start uh, it will be much easier to to avoid this misunderstanding because that's how it happened for women originally. Yeah? The first women in the workplace, they couldn't show them to the client because the client wouldn't believe, you know. But now it's uh, it's uh, it's not a problem anymore. So uh, I think we need time and more visibility for autistic people. Wonderful. Thanks, Mary. Maureen, more your solution. Um, I think it's just spreading more awareness and educating people about what being um, neurodivergent looks like. Because sometimes I think it's a matter of um, just allowing people to be more exposed to the types of neurological differences that are possible among people in order for them to empathize. Um, so there's just such a misconception that, like, unless you share typical traits of, like, Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory or something that you can't possibly be autistic. Um, so I think even making standard for employees within the workplace uh, to go through some sort of diversity training um, would be beneficial to help set the tone for inclusive environment. So, um, but that with that being said, though, I don't think that organizations should simply just implement them and call it a day because it, it may be mandatory. Um, I think that um, in the past, I've 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 been through in organizations where they've put us through sensitivity training, and leaders and top man management would make jokes and claiming it was like a product of the snowflake generation or something like that. And I just believe it really needs to. Um, be implemented in a way where it's like infused into the roots of the organization and just taken seriously. Um, it's extremely important for people like at the top of the organization to lead by example and set clear expectations of all employees. Wonderful, thank you very much, Maureen. Um, Alicia, um, solutions. So, it's following through from what Mina said earlier, you know, I think conscious efforts, because we're so passionate, I think it's so important for managers to make conscious efforts to prevent burnout. You know, my manager is pretty incredible at this. She is, um, you know, I have a tendency to not know my limits with myself. So I would work flat out. And she assists me with a good balance of what my demands are and when I need to actually wind down. So that can be very helpful. And she sometimes even has to be firm with me to not overwork and maintain my productivity rate as a result. So therefore, setting clear boundaries of what our expectations and our demands are can be very helpful. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, Mina, Lucius. So uh, I think that employers should be creative and em embrace solutions in the workplace that are going to help eliminate barriers for everyone in the workforce, which goes back to some of the earlier things that we all talked about. Um, but it can be really intimidating for autistic employees to actually ask for accommodations or disclose. I think there's a there's a common fear um, that has been talked about already that that, that doing so is going to risk your job or your career path, or it's just uncomfortable. It feels like can feel like private information. Um, and so when employers do their best to create an entire culture of supporting all of their employees and their differing strengths and needs, um, and they're creative about removing those barriers for everybody, it creates an environment where autistic employees can thrive without having to single themselves out for as being disabled. Um, and, and by allowing autistic employees to receive that support using those same channels of communication that every other employee is using to get what they need, I think it allows for that really true inclusion, um, not some, some separate process that we have to go through just to, to get what we need to, 
be productive in the workplace. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Mina. And then finally, Annika, so we're going to wrap up with the, the last contribution of solutions. So, so I think that this is important just so that it doesn't just improve work for autistic people, it improves the quality of the work that the organization does, and it would help improve the profitability of the organization, which is which is why I think it should it should be done with that lens. So the most important thing in this, I feel, is that is that neurotypical people need training for how to work with neurodivergent people, uh, including a primer on what the innate autistic social skills are, not expecting eye contact, interpreting questions directly, and not thinking they're rude because they're coming from an autistic person, expecting neutral tones and a neutral face, and ask them about their feelings if it, like if it's important so if it's important what they feel about something to accept that maybe they don't know right now because that's the alexithymia kicking in and they could tell you later uh and do not expect any implications or understood unless they specifically stated them and most important of all if you if if there's a program on helping your typical people understand neurodiversity or any program about neurodiversity at all they must regularly take feedback from autistic people and implement changes that they feel are necessary. Thank you very, very much. Uh, and for everyone else, um, uh, I'd like to thank everyone once again for the contributions at this time today. Um, this is a very important topic and one of many that will be held and one that as custodians of, you know, true diversity and inclusion um, within all sections of our lives, I think this is something that um, we are all obliged to contribute and promote. Um, my name is Andrew Thank you very much for tuning into this um, wonderful session. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks it was wonderful. Thank you so much to the work panel. That was lovely hearing from you. you the, the things that we come up with and that I'm listening to it, it brings tears to my eyes listening to it. Thank you so much for that. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information.